This episode of The Full Nerd is sponsored by Falcon Northwest. Head over to falconnorthwest.com to configure your ultimate PC now. In this episode of the Full Nerd, we review yet another CPU and GPU. Welcome, everybody, to episode 288 of the Full Nerd PC World's premier PC hardware podcast. I am your fill-in host, Adam Patrick Murray. On the line, I have Brad Choco Taco Charkas. Hello, Brad. Hello, Adam. Hello, Internet. And you look so uh, you, you look so chill on on your your couch there. You know, just just lounging. It's my 2024 vibe. Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also on the line is Eleni Yi. I don't, we don't have a nickname for you, do we? Uh, no, the ni- Deals Ninja, right? The Deals Ninja Eleni Yi. That was hello. Yeah, I think that's what you call me. Yeah, and you're excited I've been about called many. You're excited about your sweater. You want to show that off? Oh, my sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah your sweatshirt. So. <laughs> for the audio listeners, maybe describe. Uh, okay, so that's. That's for the video viewers. Uh, for the audio <laughs> listeners, uh, I have basically, I don't know, it's not a, it's just like a logo, mm-hmm. um, a circular logo that says uh, the Oxford comma Grammar Society <laughs> established 1893, which I didn't actually verify is accurate or not, but uh, it's uh, the motto is uh, fighting ambiguity, confusion, and poor syntax. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. Did, did you have to do any uh, special initiation to get part of that society? I paid a lot for a college degree. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That'll get anybody. Fair enough. That'll get anybody <laughs> in that society. Uh, those those college degrees. Speaking of college degree, we have college educated Willis Lai on the verticals and horizontals. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Do you feel like your college education prepped you to run the verticals and horizontals? Or no? Half and half. Not half really. Half. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot Wait, had to I, do with uh, just yeah, learning hands-on, but a uh, college degree? No, you, you do need it. <laughs> yeah. You know what a college de- degree didn't prep me for? Uh, that is the uh, something I, w- I want to point out re- real quick right here, the Ioneo Kuhn. Uh, this is a. Hey. I, I finally got um, the Ionia Kuhn in. Uh, this is a a handheld gaming device for the audio listeners, uh, and this thing is pretty. I've I've got limited time with it, but it's also heavy. Oh boy, I thought the Lenovo Legion Go was heavy, like two pounds. This thing's like, I need to officially weigh it, but I think it's like three pounds, a little over three pounds. That, that's a workout, a, right? This, there. Is, this is a workout. Yeah. yeah, I can just do some curls while I'm doing my uh, my handheld gaming. We need a, a, a montage, yeah, well, a Rocky well, montage next time. <laughs> the Rocky <you>. montage, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I should have the Lenovo, Lenovo Legion Go in the left hand and then the Ionia Kuhn in the right hand and then one is going to get bigger than the other. Uh, I'll just be offset. <laughs> Wait, so... Is that what they expect you to do while you're waiting for loading screens to finish? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. One hand this time, the other hand next time. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and yes, Eric Johnson, this is the one with the uh, touchpad. So uh, the touchpads are kind of weird. By default configuration, the, the left touchpad is mimicking the, um, the, uh, the D-pad which is kind of interesting, but uh, also in my limited time playing with it so far, my, my left thumb pat, like palm uh, is like accidentally like touching the pad when I'm playing, and so I had to disable it. And then the the left touch pad is essentially just a cursor, which is nice. I w- I wouldn't play a game with it anyway, 
uh, but it is it is nice to have there if you need to use it as a cursor every once in a while. So anyway, real real pretty. I like um, the colors on the yeah yeah. I got the the, the the white one, and then yeah, it has this gradient of from like blue to a green. Uh, yeah. So. Really cool. Anyway, more handhelds. We're not here to talk about handhelds. We're here to talk about reviews of discrete PC hardware. First up, and just... That's uh, the opposite of handhelds. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is the, the opposite. Uh, we have the just launched today, uh, though I'm not seeing anything on Newegg, um, is the, the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4080 Super. Brad has a review of it on the, the website right now. Uh Brad, what do you think of the 4080 Super? I have a review on the website thanks to you running all the numbers, so I appreciate your help, my dude. Uh, I think it's super, but uh, not because of the improvements made to the graphics card itself. Uh, It does have a slight increase in performance compared to an RTX 4080. So slight. 1-3%. to (laughs) Yeah, NVIDIA talking to us said, you know, Average of roughly 3%. Uh, we saw one game, I forget which one it was, it might have been Call of Duty, that went up to 4.5%, but in general I would say it's like a frame or two difference compared to the default, uh, the vanilla RTX 4080. But the big deal here is the price. The price is $200 cheaper, making it match the same price as the 7900 XTX. So, you know, when it was $200 more, the XTX Radeon 7900 XTX was a no-brainer, but with all the awesome features that NVIDIA has, stuff like that, uh, DLSS, frame gen, reflex, ray reconstruction, video broadcast, NVIDIA reflex, etc., at the exact same price, uh, I think this is the 4K graphics card you want to get if you're in the market for that. Yeah, and I'm looking on Newegg right now. Obviously, this is U.S. Newegg. Uh, and the cheapest 7900 XTX I'm seeing is uh, 980, but it's a sale. It says the sale ends in 13 hours. So uh, essentially $20 cheaper than the 4080 Super. Um, and I, yeah. so I I had limited time running the numbers, so I put it up against the, uh, the 7900 XT. Um which uh yeah the the numbers uh, some of them surprised me to tell you the truth uh because he just not the xtx but just the xt like punch punched above its weight in plenty of times like call of duty we're talking about 186 for the xt versus the 175 for the the super so in pure raster i mean there are times where the 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 even cheaper xt version which i'm gonna look on Newegg, looks about uh 730 on sale right now I mean that that's that's pretty good, but then yeah, in, in ray tracing and you know feature set wise, obviously, uh, Nvidia pulls away. But yeah, to me, to me, if you don't care about all the extra stuff, if you're not a ray tracing person, if you're not someone who streams stuff, and you can get the XT for seven hundred and thirty bucks, I mean that's a great deal. Uh, but if you're looking to buy one of these thousand dollar GPUs. Uh, it's so much more than just pure rasterization performance. And in that case, I think the RTX 4080 Super is that heavily tips the scales in its favor with its price cut. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it feels, it feels like, oh, okay, hey, obviously there's the 4090 at the top that just blows everyone out of the water. And it's, I mean, yeah, I, everybody knows uh, about the 4090, but uh, now. Here's, 
Your son, you might not know about the 4090. I was what? actually doing some price research before this. Uh-uh. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people know this already, but it's ostensibly a $1,600 graphics card. But if you go looking for an actual 4090, they are realistically $21 to $2,400 on Newegg and Amazon. God, and still? Right and that's because of the, yeah. the the whole stuff with China, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, China and AI in general. So like, if people can't get those crazy data center cards they pick up a 4090 wow yeah you can't get 100 2000 well i'm sorry Uh, uh, 1999 uh yeah so this uh the 4080 super is realistically the highest end 40 uh 4k card that most people will be able to buy most people will not buy a 2000 plus graphics card to play games and so i'm really happy to see it drop another 200 bucks in price i would have liked it see it drop down another 100 150 dollars more you know in an ideal world Considering that the 3080 launched at 699, but I don't think I think those days are behind us. So for what it is, this I would I would take over the 7900 XTX. Do you do you side tangent? Do you know what exactly about the 4090 is making it so uh, getting gobbled up in China? Is it the VRAM? Is it the like a like it's AI, right? Isn't that the the yeah. the reason? So, and is that because of the VRAM? Like, I feel like why isn't the the forty eighty super or the forty eighty getting gobbled up at all either? Depending on what you're working on, the VRAM is the big part, mm-hmm. uh, and just the fact that it's so powerful makes a big difference to how quickly you can process stuff. So, again, the VRAM is the big part, but. The 4080 is significantly slower than the 4090. And if you're picking this up for work to begin with, it'll be worth the extra thousand bucks. If you're picking it up to play Alan Wake 2, <laughs> probably not worth the extra thousand bucks. Yeah. Uh, so I the the 4080 that I put it up against, I actually don't have a Founders Vanilla 4080. So I put it up against an Asus ProArt, uh, which is real pretty. And it's actually a, a, like the smallest 4080 that I know of. Uh, it's actually a really tiny card and fits in... Uh, I, I have it in the um, the uh, Fractal Terra, the small form factor. It's like perfect for like small form factor. Uh, but because of that, the shroud is definitely smaller. It is uh, warmer. Like in, in the temperature test that I ran, the 4080 Super with the, the default um, Founders Edition was 61 degrees Celsius and the, the Asus Pro R1 was 67. So not like super off, um, but... They're yeah, both great. Definitely They're both warmer. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the power draw on the the vanilla forty eighty, I, I measured up to uh, two two eighty nine was the highest peak, uh, but the forty eighty super was two sixty. So, you know, a nice little keep things in check a little bit. That's an interesting part about this forty eighty super, uh, because Nvidia did manage to get that three percent performance uplift without increasing power requirements. Uh, and so, as you just talked about, if you just go in there and mildly overclock the chip, you can probably get the three percent difference yourself if you already have a forty eighty non super. Yeah, yeah. But so interesting stuff. Uh, you know, I did uh, read some uh, review or yeah, read some reviews, watched some videos. Uh, you know, I think most of YouTube is just like meh, cool, but meh. Uh, you know, it is what it is, kind of thing. Uh, was the yeah. the YouTube consensus which doesn't surprise me, but um, yeah, I, I feel like generally this kind of continues your trend that you were saying at CES is like, this is kind of what you was hoping the, the, the 40 series would have launched at to begin with. Yeah. 
Yeah, if this was all what they launched at last year, there'd be no need for a Super Series like this. I find it interesting this is only the second time they've used the Super branding. And both times, it was a fairly hard reset of their existing lineups that weren't selling very well. Because the first time it was with the 20 Series, and those weren't selling very well. Because uh, back then, Ray Traced games didn't exist. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's, you know, this is where I would hope they would have been to begin with. It's a shame they didn't. Because obviously the TIs or super variants we're getting now would be even better. Uh, like perhaps we would see like this version of this 4080 super uses the full fat 8103 die, which is their second most powerful die. And, uh, you know, that's great. But the original 4080 only had two SMs disabled. So this is not much of an increase over the original 4080. If this had been what came out originally, there's a chance we could have seen a cut down 8102, the 4090 die that had an even bigger jump. But, you know, between the 4090s selling for $2,100 plus a piece and the lineup being what it is, I mean, it is what it is. So if you are looking for a top tier 4K card, this is your best option right now, regardless whether or not that sucks. Uh, the card doesn't suck. The card kicks ass. The pricing, I would still like to see it come down another 100 bucks or two. But it's a great graphics card. Also, the 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 black shroud. I know we we kind of talked about it a little bit at CES, uh, CES, CES. <laughs> Freudian slip there. <laughs> uh, the the black shroud. I mean, this does look like like a black hole. Like a I don't know. Like the like the the forty eighty does have a, a light up uh, the the G Force logo here, and then there's a little bit of LEDs uh, here on the shroud. But other than that, I mean, it is just like black. It is like. Yeah, I loved it. I called it Darth Vader vibes in my review. Yeah. It's not glossy, right? Oh, careful! Adam just dropped the card. Don't worry about Lightly. it. It's okay. fine. It's fine. Okay, Linus. Yeah, no. It's, I know. Uh, I was just to say it's, it's built like a tank. Uh, you see it? You know, there you go. It's built like a tank. Fumble. He says with panic in his eyes. Yeah. Okay, uh, but it's a uh, matte. Uh, black, not a glossy. Uh, black. uh, I mean, there's a couple different. I'm, you know, I'm not even gonna bring it, uh, hold it up again. Uh, there's a couple <laughs> different textures to it. I will say it is a fingerprint magnet. Hmm. Uh, so the, it does have some like chamfered edges that are glossy. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of a mixture of a lot of things, but it definitely takes fingerprints. I was trying to take photos for the website. Uh, for the. The review and i was like i was like okay i need i actually need to put on some gloves to handle this <laughs> unfortunately i realized the gloves we have over here are powdered oh. <laughs> so it actually made it worse <laughs> i was like oh crap we need unpowdered gloves <laughs> oh, oh uh but yeah i i ended up just like holding it with um uh with uh, paper towels uh i didn't uh, drop it <laughs> so. could you just like rinse the gloves off at the kitchen sink get the powder off i guess well but they're on the inside too so like yeah like yeah so just uh, yeah i don't i don't know why we have the powder we we should just buy some non-powdered ones but anyway <laughs> don't want to be sweaty i guess <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah no uh i mean and it is heavy i don't you know i i guess i'm used to that that pro art card which is relatively light compared it to it uh this thing was just like oh wow it's definitely i mean you know a lot of these top end cards are, are heavy as hell but especially comparing it to the uh the 4070 super which i have here as well the 4070 super just looks like a a tiny little baby compared to it and i'm like oh no this is actually what a, a gpu used to be 
Uh, yeah, it's right? a standard two slot card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And, and I was, I was, it, but next to it, it just feels like, a, oh, she's a cute little baby. <laughs> That's part of the reason I actually love the Founders Edition cards. One, I think they look slick as hell and I like the way they perform. But two, like, it's real hard to find standard two slot cards these days. And those are some of your only options until you get to 40, 80, 40, 90 level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. You know, Cool stuff. Oh, oh, we do have a. Yeah, I don't want to forget the super chat from friend of the show, Coffee. Uh, if the RTX forty eighty super is priced as it should have been at launch, is the forty eighty super essentially priced like a fourteen month old GPU? Uh, so they're saying if they're they're resetting the price to what it should have been fourteen months ago, so it's not realistic for today's pricing. I think is uh, what they're getting to the I, bottom of. I get what you're saying, Kofi. Coffee. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but uh, the fact is that's not what it was priced at 14 months ago. So, I mean, that's the real world. Ideally, we would have liked this price that way 14 months ago. That's not how it worked. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just happy to get $200 off for three percent more performance. You know, I'll take that. Yeah, uh, but it launched today, right? I'm actually not seeing any listings on Newegg unless I'm... Yeah. Uh, if you can't go through the search necessarily on the first day, you have to go find their special banner pages and takes a while for the search to propagate. Huh. Yeah, weird. Uh, but, yeah, so so that's it. I mean, that, that's the whole lineup. I will say uh, I got the 4080, or I'm sorry, 4070 Ti Super uh in late so I'm, I'm almost done with those numbers and then i do have the numbers for the 4070 super so we are going to have uh full articles on on those uh even though it's it's past embargo and then i, I am going to make some videos on these as well um i do have some partner cards uh in the that i might include as well um but brad you've you've been out for the past couple weeks B- before we wrap up the 4080 super stuff what what are your thoughts on the the rest of the lineup the the seventy Ti Super and the forty seventy Super? All right, uh, it's pretty much exactly what I think we called at CES. I think it was pretty straightforward and obvious what to expect from these cards since they're simply refreshes. Uh, the forty seventy Super I think is the star of the bunch. Uh, the original forty seventy was the one of the aside from the forty ninety, it was the original forty series card that we we're most okay with. Like, yeah, it's 100 bucks more than we'd like, but it's very power efficient, it's good and everything. And to get 20% performance boost on top of that, you know, great. Uh, it makes it much more competitive with the 7800 XT. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the 7800 XT sees some price drops soon. As well as the, officially, the original 4070 Super is sticking around at 550 If that gets back down to 500 bucks, like... That makes it a real tough choice between the 7800 XT and the 4070 Super, or 4070 non-Super. Simply because, again, NVIDIA's software stack and feature stack is so impressive compared to AMD that it is worth a bit of price differential, and if they're the same price, you got to kind of weigh that in. Uh, the 4070 Ti Super, I uh, haven't had too much chance to read about I've been traveling the past few weeks. That's part of the reason why Adam's been helping out. Thank you, Adam. Uh, so, from what I've seen, though, it's about what I expect. You know, it's a it's a minimal performance upgrade. Like I saw around ten percent. I think I saw in the reviews that I was watching and reading. 
uh, maybe even a little bit less, eight to ten percent, depending on the game. You know, ray tracing is more, but uh, that ten percent boost plus the rejiggered memory configuration, it has sixteen gigs now and it has a two hundred fifty six with bus, just like the forty eighty super. Uh, my biggest complaint about the original 4070 Ti, which was my worst reviewed card of last year, I gave it 1.5 out of 5 stars. And that was after going back and forth with my editor and they made me add another 0.5. Uh, <laughs> that fixes the biggest fixes the biggest glaring flaw that I saw with it. Because it's an $800 GPU. To me, the fact that the memory subsystem was specifically neutered so that it can't run 4K well... That doesn't sit right with me at 4K. This card does run 4K very well, just as well as the 4080 Super. Obviously, a slower GPU, but 10% faster than it was before. I'm happy with it as a refresh. So, you know, I think the Super lineup fixed the biggest issue with all three of the cards. Uh, again, I would have liked to see the 4080 Super maybe be 50 or 100 bucks less, but 1000 bucks is, I think, really how you can have really expect it out of this. So... All in all, I'm happy. It's going to rejigger the uh, our best graphics card roundup on PC World. It changes the picture of stuff. So I'm curious to see how and if AMD responds. Well, and now that I've run most of the, almost all the numbers, uh, yeah, the 4070 Super is definitely uh, the biggest performance jump over the, the, the vanilla version, uh, which uh, helps me understand why they're also keeping around the 4070, but but not the other two non-super variants uh the 4070 as of right now once again it's another sale that ends in 12 hours but i'm actually seeing a vanilla 4070 it's a zotac uh twin so just the the two fan one uh kind of small uh for 535 on new egg right now um yeah so That's like good. yeah mm, yeah so in the 40 4070 super was a 600 uh so you know for 70 more dollars okay yeah that's starting to get in the price range of like if it's 50 dollars, i'd say if you can yeah hit that super for sure but yeah if, if it's going to get down to like 500 then it's like oh, okay i i see why that's still in the stack at, at that point you kind of got to worry or think about should you get that or 7800 xt because the re part of the reason why this got that big 20 15 to 20 percent boost is because the 7800 xt button took names oh yeah it's faster in a lot of games than a 4070 non-super. And it was $100 cheaper. So once they get kind of back down to the even point, you can say, all right, you know, the 7800 XT is faster in some games, but now they're the same price. Is that worth it compared to DLSS 3 and broadcast and reflex? You could ray tracing. You kind of got to make your own value judgment there. Mm -hmm. But when it's a $100 difference, it was a big difference. Yeah, well, I, I mean, in my numbers that I have in here too, because uh, the... So I had six uh, NVIDIA cards, obviously, with the Super, and then I had two AMD ones, so 7900 XT and 7800 XT. And yeah, that 7800 XT gets real damn close to that 4070 Ti uh, yeah. sometimes, and I'm just like, oh, wow, dang. <laughs> so Those are games that they, they do, like Call of Duty loves AMD cards. So does, I think, sure, uh, yeah. F1? I forget. But... uh yeah, but you got to also also have to think kind of of the marketing behind it. Mm -hmm. Like again, the forty seventy was the one graphics card that was generally was like, all right, this is fine. You know, which was a little bit cheaper, but this is fine. This is a good graphics card. Whereas if you go and you Google search right now for forty seventy Ti and forty eighty, it's all like, what the hell is this? This card should be five hundred dollars less. And what the hell is this? This has had two different product names now, and it should be 
$500 less or whatever. Whereas now that they fixed it with the super, once they get the non-supers off the shelf, if you're looking for what's available, you'll search for these that have the better reviews. So there's a marketing aspect to it too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I mean, not, not much else to talk about here. Once again, we have, we have the reviews of the other super parts uh, going up. Um, sometime soon and then like i said some videos uh i'll be cutting so i can show off numbers uh on video as well uh we do have a comment from uh jack on youtube says i really hate people normalizing these price increases in real time it's not actually a thing um i mean it is that's what these are selling for uh so these these are these are the prices i mean uh, do you see any sort of <laughs> adjustment do you think in the future like a lot of people were were being like, oh man, 40 series isn't selling where well, they're going to have to adjust prices. And the super is kind of that a little bit, but I mean, I don't think. I, I don't, don't think prices are going down. Uh, not because of crypto, but because of AI. They can sell their top end dies for a lot more money now. And it all gets used for that. So PC gamers just keep getting screwed by how versatile GPUs are. Yeah. And, uh, I did say in my review, I wish this was a hundred or more dollars cheaper. But it is what it is. You know, the 3080 launched at 700. Since then, inflation's gone up some insane amount. Even though it's normalized now, the prices of everything has still gone up in the years since. And TSMC charges a lot more for this node. So uh, I can see why the cards are more expensive. I would hope they would think they would be able to get by with a $900 MSRP. But... They got to make their money too. I mean, this just is what it is. It's sad. Every time I do a review, I'm going to say, I wish this was a little bit cheaper, but you know, wish in one hand and something in another. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the hard part too, is that like there, there is the, the part that can be like, wow, this, this is BS. This really sucks. But also at the same time, this is, this is what it is. So I, I guess in some ways it could be normalization of the way we're talking about it. But we have to talk about what it is. So, you know, if you're looking to buy a GPU, regardless of whether it's inflated or why it's inflated, anything like that, these are your options. I mean, obviously, you can look at older GPUs and, and, and put that kind of in the equation as well. But it's just like, okay, well, we have to talk about it in in these terms also, because that's just, that's, that is the way it is. So, I you know. That's true, but I do feel like there is a point to that comment, which is... Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that when, especially, you know, those of us who watch the hardware so closely, there's that whole, like, the, what is it, the adage, the idiom about the frog in boiling water doesn't notice that the temperature rises kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I do think that there there is there is something to be said for, um, you know, coming at this saying, like, shrug... Uh, it sucks out there, but I guess it sucks less. Oh, well, versus, you know, having more of an attitude of like, okay, but like realistically, why is the market this way? Like, when is there going to be any relief for, you know, admittedly proportionately small, but very passionate group of people, you know, like, will they ever get a bone thrown to them? And like kind of seeing it from that point of view. So I can see how, like, if you are a PC gamer who's been like just constantly holding out, I was looking at our Discord server and people were talking about the waiting game, right? Where you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Like it never feels emotionally good to step off that waiting train right now. Like 
there's there's nothing that really makes you go like oh yeah that's the one maybe it is a little bit more expensive but like that's the one that gets me excited enough to finally stop playing this waiting game and i don't think especially with the pandemic especially with the inflation i don't think there's anything so far that's allowed people to feel good about it right i mean this is all emotional purchases oh yeah we, yeah. we do this not because it's a it's a factual logical thing for us to do it's because we we love it we want to play games we want to play cool like games at really great settings and make them look as good as possible well right? i mean and, and i hope we're not coming across as like hey you know shrug well, whatever it is what it is kind of thing it's more like like when when we have to make the value judgments if somebody is looking at a product you know we can't just be like oh you know i wish it was that and it's like okay well we also need to include well this is what it is so what are you getting for this and yeah it's it's generally yeah. nothing you know so exciting that it's just like oh man this is the 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 deal of the century you need to ju- jump on this right now there are better choices than others and there are reasons to get gpus i mean obviously people are, are still buying stuff um but yeah i mean you're right there's nothing necessarily like oh man this is you know we're gonna look back at the 40 series you know and all this stuff and and think oh man we got some real good deals around here i just but i also yeah. think in the future i don't are we ever gonna have that again i, I don't i don't know if we're ever gonna have that again maybe that's just me being like negative I think, but i mean do you think we'll ever get another thing, right? 1080 ti you know or like 1080 you know right like <laughs> yeah, a, that's a <laughs> i like how you're bringing that up when gordon's not here uh, <laughs> i summoned um, him maybe I, he'll show up in the chat <laughs> right uh i i think that we could sit here and with the current you know outlook or like the current most recent history, that wouldn't be a fair thing to wonder, right? But I also think we we didn't see the pandemic coming. Like we didn't see the, I mean, we could kind of guess at the inflation, but just maybe not how bad it really got. Uh, it's possible that things could change again. Like we we just never know what's going to come down the pipeline. Like I maybe I'm being an optimist, but I like to hope that this is not just the future forever. Yeah. yeah. For, for what it's worth, this uh, my computer was fried in a fire anyway, or baked, I guess, in a fryer. Uh, <laughs> but I had a 3080 Ti in it, and I've been upgrading top end NVIDIA cards for years. This is the first generation I was going to skip. Uh, and because the 4080 came out costing 1200 bucks, and it was just barely ahead of a 3080 Ti. So, yes, it has 16 gigabytes of memory. Now, the 4080 Super is another 3% faster. It's still just barely ahead of a 3080 Ti that cost 1200 bucks three years ago. So I feel like, you know, I'm hoping next generation things change a bit. But this just drives home what I always try to tell people. Try to wait two to three generations before upgrading if you can. If you're an enthusiast like me, like I run a PC magazine and I test graphics cards for a living. So I've been swapping out the high end stuff so I can try all the new highest features. But before that, I waited at least two or three generations at a time because, you know, the uh, 3080 last year, let's say you upgraded that. This time around, the 4070 Ti is 100 bucks more and just slightly faster. Uh, and you know, there's no reason to upgrade to that unless you want DLSS three. But if you wait another generation, the 5070 Ti, or another generation after that, the 6070 Ti, then you can target a price point and say, "Hey, I'm going to spend 700 bucks, and what I can get for 700 bucks is good." And if you wait two or three generations, you'll tangibly feel that difference. It's when you try to upgrade every generation that it starts to hurt sometimes when you get these weird generations. 
Yeah, yeah. De- de- definitely weird weird times. I, you know, yeah. I don't know what else to, to, to say on the <laughs> the GPU front, though. Um, the 4080 Super, it's cheaper. It's cheaper, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when I was looking at the other reviews, that just generally seemed to be the, the consensus. Everyone was like, it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't get that much more, but it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah. Uh, like I said, more inf- more information to come uh, before we go on to the next one. I do want to take a, a minute to thank our sponsor, I, Falcon Northwest. I've been, like I said in the, the pre-show, I've been gently stroking this uh, this uh, frag box, uh, which, you know, is is kind of one of three desktop offerings that they have. Frag box is kind of their, their middle end. They've got the, the full tower of a, a Talon and then a, a real nice min- micro tower, I think is what they call it. It's like small form factor, like nice little thin uh, tower and... This one is able the to fit. Tiki. Yeah, Tiki. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Talons at the top. Tiki's at the bottom. Frag is in the the middle. It's got a handle. It's got the 4090 in there. Full. Uh, is it, yes, full ATX um, uh, motherboard in there. But really, it's the care that 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 uh, this was assembled with. Uh, you know, it's not full ATX. I think it's micro ATX. Is it micro? Oh, I thought it was full. Yeah. Oh. oh, you're right. You're right. No. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> really, Adam was really, too busy lovingly yeah. uh, petting it to notice. <laughs> also, I mean, the, they they do make their own cases. These like the the actual textured finish on this case is is really nice. It's got a good grip to it. Uh, like so, I mean, they they design their own cases. I, and it's it's definitely one of those things that they they put a lot of love into, and it, and it feels it feels like a tank. Uh, Obviously, a lot of people who use Falcon devices, I mean, the the reason why they have a handle on this one is because a lot of people do take it into the field, uh, and it's kind of built with that in mind. Uh, not only that, but also their warranty service, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, anyway, thank yeah. you for, for supporting us, Falcon. Uh, I appreciate I, that. Thank you, thank you. The reason I knew it was a micro ATX uh, is because I actually reviewed one of these, totally unrelated to the sponsorship bit. Two, two thirds, three quarters of the way through last year, and it's the single best desktop I've ever tested. It's freaking amazing. Every part of it. If you look for Falcon Northwest Fragra Box review on PCWorld.com, you'll see my personal review of it, which had nothing to do with the sponsorship, just my unbiased review of it. It rocks. So, after correcting you, I feel like I got to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the correction. Thank Check you. it out. They're yeah. great. They're great. They're awesome. So, and that, uh, that's I, I had no part of this ad read. That's me just jumping in with my editorial personal opinion. These things rock. So, well, and I, I have heard on the, the, uh, behind the scenes, a lot, a lot of people have told me like at trade shows and stuff, they're like, Hey, you know what? I used to be DIY and always built and followed all the, the stuff, but now I lean on, you know, uh, a, a trusted vendor like Falcon Northwest to build my systems. Cause I just, I still want the, the high end, uh, desktop stuff. Uh, but you know, they, they don't have to worry about assembling themselves. And, and, you know, with, with Falcon Northwest there, they're, they're going to assemble it right. It comes with a checklist. Like it, it even says the person's name who went through and assembled everything and like did all the testing and they give you like a sheet with the numbers. Uh, yeah. Like the Ram timings, the latencies, like everything. Yeah. yeah. So the bios version. So yeah, I, I definitely think in, in the future when I'm, when I'm definitely like so over building my own PCs, <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, <laughs> 
going to going to start buying Will some. Will you ever be so over <laughs> building your own PC? I don't know. You know, I mean, I right now it's like, oh, I mean, I I god, I feel like I build like one every couple of weeks, you know, for whatever various <laughs> projects, but oh, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Falcon Northwest, you, for uh, sponsoring the show. Always appreciated. But I'll tell you something that's probably not going to show up in a Falcon Northwest because they, they focus on, on high performance. <laughs> and that is uh, AM5, the first AM5 APUs the uh, have launched. This was a uh, Monday, the embargo lifted. I, I think you can get them on on the website now i guess i should uh, double check uh but we've got the 8700g uh in uh ooh, i think it's this box right here the amd ryzen 7 8700g and the ryzen 5 uh what is this one the 85 no 8600g 86. yes yeah. so uh i have started testing the 8700g but the super cards were kind of taking up my my mental capacity <laughs> so i haven't Thank got you, a, Adam. yeah I, I haven't got a ton of time testing uh i i am gonna do a video uh on these as well because i'm kind of approaching it from an interesting angle um or i think it's an interesting angle uh saying like hey i mean these are socketable desktop parts which is awesome it's a refresh not a refresh but the first apus we've seen in in many years right we've been talking about like man when, when are we going to see new apus it's rdna3 um it has the the uh, ryzen ai these are the first desktop parts socketable desktop parts with with a uh, an npu in them so lots of interesting stuff to to kind of go over here for me the first question i had was okay the the gpu that's uh in these or at least in the the seven is the uh, Radeon uh, 780M. Uh, and we've seen that before, uh, obviously, in the, the laptop space. Uh, Ryzen 7000 in the mobile space uh, at the top end has the, the 780M. Uh, and then even the, um, the Z1 Extreme is kind of based off that same architecture. So some of my testing is around like, oh, okay, how do these actually compare to the 780M in mobile devices, even handheld gaming devices? Uh because it's it's not but it's not just that it's also pairing it with new um uh am5 uh, motherboard, motherboard yeah, motherboards ddr5 uh I, yeah. I will say in the the limited testing that i've done just because i've poked around here and there as i was waiting for other benchmarks to run uh you definitely want the fastest uh ram that you can get like i, I was definitely seeing like like switching from 5,600 megatransfers per second to 6,400 megatransfers per second was like enough for like 10 frames, you know, for, to get you from like 1080p medium at 50 frames per second to up to 60. Uh, like it was definitely like a, a, a healthy jump. So like I, and they, they've told us as such, and we kind of knew that even with the uh, AM4 based APUs. Uh, so yeah, more, more, more testing to be done. I, th I think it's interesting. I, I did watch a lot of the reviews, you know, and, and read articles, and it, it seems like people are excited about it. Uh, Elena, as as somebody who is always championed for APUs, uh, <laughs> have, have you had a chance to dig into reviews of these parts? A little bit. Um, so it's funny because when you were talking about how, like, uh, just you know, doing the the introduction to this topic, you were saying like, "Oh, they finally released," and I literally heard the the Halo. A grunt birthday party sound Yay. like go off in my head like yes <laughs> you know it's exciting to get new apus finally uh that said i was really disappointed by the 8700g um you know i went into it you know reading a few different 
uh, articles. And at first I was like, okay, like, well, let's see, are, are people just a little jaded, you know, and like maybe too used to high-end hardware that they, they can't put this into perspective. And I dug into a little bit more and I was like, no, they've got a point, which is, you know, at $330, you could you could get much better gaming performance by buying a pretty cheap CPU, like a like an i3 equivalent, and then a, I don't know, like a $200, $250 uh, GPU, and you'd get way better gaming performance out of it. So then it's like asking yourself, okay, well, what applications, like what use cases would you have for this? And it's like, okay, well, if I wanted a living room box, would I really be putting a $330 CPU into that? You know, and so it it's just awkward kind of the space that's occupying. So I wonder if it's maybe uh, designed, because obviously we have a very US centric view. Um, and I'm wondering if it's designed for like markets where it is just really expensive to get even like, you know, uh, Core i3, I don't know, even 12100F or something, you know, that's something that we think of as cheap. It's the same for like, a, I don't know, an RX 6500, RX 6600. Uh, so maybe it's designed for places like that. And that's why we can't really see its value. But it is priced 300, as $300, $330 here. And we're evaluating it on that price, right? Because price is such a big deal for the perceived value of something. So on that note... 8700G supposed to be the flagship chip of of this like you know lineup of APUs. I found that kind of disappointing. I think the one that did kind of get overlooked in all the reviews is the 8600G. So the the Ryzen five part where it's like okay, like this I can see a little bit more. You know the performance does back down a little bit. You are losing. Um, I forget off the top of my head exactly how much. Maybe like ten percent. Depending on the game, it's yeah, it's because um, it has this, the seven sixty M rather than the seven eighty. Yeah, so the, you do lose performance dropping down. It's not like they're really tight, but I think that even trading that level of performance, because I was looking like I'm like, okay, what what, what kind of box would I put this in? Like as Brad has said numerous times before, like APU, like really easy way to get you know somebody into a game like Fortnite or in my case like Overwatch where they're not really designed to hammer the hardware because they want everyone to play even people on potatoes um so like you put that in a box with some ram you know obviously the rest of the PC like you know not not too bad actually i think like the what you could get and you know they're they're playing they're, they're a lot of their settings were like 1080p low which I'm like, okay, like for some of these titles, you probably could tinker a little bit. You could probably run it at 720 maybe, or, you know, move this around, move that around, see if you can, you know, get the textures to be, you know, kind of fudge that here and there. And it's like, yeah, like honestly, sometimes in some of these games, having lower graphical settings is an advantage because suddenly you can see people hiding in random spots (laughs) because other people can't see them in the bushes and you're like yo dude i got nothing there (laughs) (laughs) you are sitting duck (laughs) yeah especially in something like Fortnite. i I, yeah i had switched to the performance mode uh which yeah takes out like almost all shadowing (laughs) i was just like oh you can just see everything in the distance (laughs) yeah it's really funny actually yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) if you're competitive yeah (laughs) yeah um so 
I mean, that's, so my take is that I'm I'm looking forward because a lot of these outlets, you know, including you, right? Like they haven't had a chance to like really get to the rest of the lineup of the chip. So like a lot of the reviews focus on the 700 G. I'm really looking forward to getting more detailed numbers and attention on the 8600 G because mm-hmm. I think that's to me that's the one that I've got my eye on. That's the one that you know, if, as my friends ask me for recommendations or you know, as I was. I always look forward to as we get closer to the holiday period and sales might appear like that's the one I have my eye on. That's yeah. And, and that's I think I, know more about. Well, I, I think it was over on discord. Let me, let me find it. I feel like we had a question. Oh, here we go. Yeah. From front of the show, Ivan R uh, had asked uh, after chip shortage crisis, is there really a market for discrete APUs? Not talking about handhelds. In other words, can you picture who is a typical APU buyer? Do we know, what do we think a typical APU buyer is? I guess maybe we should preface by like U- U.S. Consumer? Yeah, yeah. Like a w- consumer or a business? Oh well, if if you think the typical buyer would be a business, I think there would be a decent number of like pre-builts and I mean pre a decent number of pre-builts period, but a decent number of those pre-builts would get used in like mm. maybe a business setting where like integrated normal integrated graphics aren't quite enough but they don't really see a need for uh discrete graphics uh either because of um i don't know logistical deployment issues or uh you know servicing needs or if they can get a volume discount i don't know i'm not familiar with how the business side uh enterprise side of things work um for consumers i would think more like living room box starter pc type situations yeah Yeah. or esports you know, affordable mm-hmm. esports, like you were saying. Like, I would totally build my 13-year-old daughter a PC around this. And mm-hmm. then if she likes it, then I would go back later and slap a graphics card mm-hmm. in it. I think this starter PC is a perfect example, I think. Uh, I think there's, you know, a lot of value, like a NUC-sized box. Well, NUCs yeah. are really Intel-based, but, you know, SOTAC and Mini's form and stuff does their own. Slap one of these in there, and it's, you know, that big on your desk. That'd be pretty rad. But... All in all, I pretty much agree with what you said, Elena. I uh, I think I would rather have... I was doing price lookups this morning, you know, planning on coming into this. I think the 8600G is probably the one I'm more excited about. If I was going to spend 300 bucks, 350 bucks, like you can get... I was looking around this morning, a 1650 or a 6500 XT, both of which are bottom end when it comes to discrete GPUs, but more powerful than this. Or I found models on sale of each for 140 bucks. Uh, and you can also get the 12100F, so two generations back for Intel mm-hmm. for 98 bucks. But mm-hmm. that also supports resizable bar. So that's you know what 240 bucks for that combo right there. And if you want to step it up and add a 6600 or an ARC 750, that brings you to about the cost of the 8750 or 8700G. So I agree with everything you had said there. Yeah. But I I, I still like these. For what they are, I think it should yeah. be celebrated that these are by far the most powerful integrated graphics we've ever seen, and I really like the idea of chips starting to have gaming-worthy graphics baked right into them right out of the box. Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously the other part of it is upgradability, though, because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if you got the twelve four hundred F and a discrete GPU, and then you were like, "Oh, okay, you know what? I want to step up that that GPU," you still have a twelve four hundred F. Where here, you do have. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, a, a better CPU cores. I, I am actually part of my testing suite is to test 
uh, you know, other CPU-related tasks. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not going to do heavy, say. like, you know, V-Ray work on it. I am doing V-Ray work 2C, um, <clears throat> but, you know, Premiere Pro, uh, Cross, you know, like, you know, just like all these, these other, like, CPU-related tasks, because at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to put it up against the 7700X, and I'm curious to see, you know, what kind of delta you're going to see, like, on the actual, like, right. core performance. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's I was idea. actually going to mention too, which is like, um, so the, I would also say that the main advantage of going this route is that you do get what I assume is just going to be stronger performance on the CPU. So like maybe you're not like so into gaming that you need the absolute, you know, best graphics or even okay graphics, right? But maybe every now and then you want to encode a video or maybe you have some other things that are going to hit your CPU more that that's more important to you. And as uh, was just pointed out, when you pair it with a discrete GPU, then you're not as uh, potentially CPU limited, right? When, when you make that upgrade. Um, one good thing that, uh, one point that got uh, brought up in chat, uh, let me see, where is it? Uh, Henry Hansen mentioned that also discrete graphics are going to use more power. So if you live, that's also a point that I forgot to mention, which is if you live in a place where electricity is expensive or it just gets hot as heck, you know, and you're trying to keep, you know, the ambient temperatures from rising too much because, you know, your box is, you know, pouring out that heat, then that's also an option where it's like save a little money on the electricity and like overall heating costs or cooling costs in your house rather. Yeah, because at the end of the day, these are 65 watt parts, uh, which Mm -hmm, we've mm -hmm. seen, you know, great efficiency out of AM5 based. uh, And I did, I I do have a a number for the max GPU temperature and I'm using the the stock cooler on the 8700 or I'm going to use it for both of them. Uh, this one comes with the the Wraith, uh, that not the Stealth. It's the the taller built-in cooler. And in mm-hmm. Call of Duty, doing the 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 measurement check there, I got like seventy-eight degrees uh, Celsius. So you know, like I mean, yeah, it, this thing isn't dumping a ton of heat. Uh, yeah, even so. with the even with the GPU dies on it. The other the other part, uh, two other parts I think are worth considering. Again, what you're talking about, the power efficiency, really gets. To, I think it'd be rad as hell to have a a Nux style box sitting there with Steam Deck style graphics. That's basically what you can expect out of this. Right. We'll have to wait and see for Adam's video to know for sure, but roughly. So I think that's rad. Uh, but two, the other part that le- makes me lean more towards like a 12-100F and whatever low-end graphics card of your choice beyond simple performance is total platform cost. Because I think that's something you kind of have to take into account with this. Because AM5 motherboards are pretty much the most expensive motherboards on the market still, aside from the very, very brand new Z790 refreshes. Uh, and DDR5 has come down a lot, but it's still not anywhere near as cheap as DDR4. So if you're getting into this looking yeah. for an affordable gaming PC and you're comfortable having, you know, a mini ITX box or a small, smaller mid-tower and are comfortable putting together a PC, I think you'd get more value out of a low-end discrete box, but I'm really excited about these parts. I'm really excited that you can get 1080p gaming graphics, even at lower medium, in yeah. a Nuxet boxed. So, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, spoilers. The so one of the other things I'm comparing it to, I I got a, a 7840HS, um, a little B-Link SER7 uh, mini PC. So it's you know real real nice little 
uh, box, but it's got that save uh, the same uh, 780M. Obviously, it's a mobile versus you know socketable desktop. So I, I do wonder. You know, I, I have run some tests to be like, oh, okay. You know, how how far off is it? Because that's kind of what you're expecting. You know, is is a, a nice little set top box kind of thing, which theoretically could be upgraded uh, or expanded mm-hmm. depending on you know whatever setup. Like I, I really do think it's the expandability uh, that is you know going to be the kind of thing here that maybe you're willing to pay a little bit more up front for knowing that later you can expand mm-hmm. it further, better. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, that was a strategy we recommended during those really terrible years during the pandemic. <laughs> it was either that or GeForce Now. Like, I think those are the two oh, most no. popular or most common Drink. Uh, solutions we gave. <laughs> I'm real curious to see what the future of the APU looks like, because mm-hmm. uh, just spiraling out from this a little bit. I've talked about on here before. I wouldn't be surprised if someday, like NVIDIA doesn't even make sub $300 graphics cards anymore. Like they might have a couple of MX parts for basic display and encoding functions, but graphics cards I'm talking. Uh, Arc and AMD are still playing down in that space, but these integrated GPUs are getting a lot better. Uh, you're, you know, I could see being a generation or two out from being able to play 1080p medium-ish graphics, which you can already do on a lot of games with this if they're a couple of years old. And I also think back to that conversation you and I had with Tom Peterson at CES, Adam, Mm. where he was talking about that now that Meteor Lake is out and, you know, that hybrid architecture is going to be going all over the place. Like, this is the first time they could get really good integrated graphics, too. Like, they had Broadwell, whatever it was back in the day, Broadwell S, not Broadwell, but Haswell. KB Lake G. Yeah, the KB Lake G. There was another one before that that was supposed to be mobile only but they made it desktop for some reason mm. gordon did review it maximum pc it was great uh crystal something i forget but uh anyway now if that meteor lake architecture comes to the desktop crystal uh, well uh ian said crystal, crystal well, well. That's it. yep 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 thank you ian <clears throat> that one that one was pretty badass but uh you know, the Core Ultra laptop, the Meteor Lake architecture, hybrid style architecture comes to the desktop. They already have more improved arc graphics in there compared to what used to be. And when we were talking with Tom at CES, Tom Peterson, Intel fellow, he was talking about how, yeah, you know, the cool thing about this architecture is you can mix and match. Like, you can just, like, plug and play. Imagine if we stuck a whole bunch of graphics chips on here kind of a deal. So... I'm really interested to see where the future of the APU goes. Yeah. Like, I, I see them getting more powerful. I wouldn't be surprised if someday they get rid of discrete graphics. Yeah. I also, sh- I, mean, I also think that it should be noted that the prices have come down a little bit, at least for the the 57G to 8700G. If I if I looked it up correctly, I think the eight sorry 5700G. Uh, the MSRP launch price was uh, twenty or thirty dollars higher than what we're seeing for the uh, eighty-seven hundred G. So even though the price is higher than we'd like to see, uh, it does seem like they're getting that cost down. So it's kind of going hand in hand with Brad just said. Like I, I'm wondering if they start really focusing on this more, if they decide like that's where they want to put their energy for lower end graphics, so to speak. Um, that that increased attention could end up driving prices down further so that they do seem more palatable as an option. Yeah. 
Uh, last thing to note here too, and somebody had asked earlier. I'm sorry, I can't remember who who it was. Was hey, does the, do these have an NPU in it? And yes, these are these are the like I said earlier. These are the first socketable desktop parts with an NPU built in it. <laughs> now, I, we're, we're I'm still kind of in the process of you know. I think we, we've all had discussions about like you know how how to actually benchmark. NPUs and you know the, those are kind of still ongoing. I, even Gordon, you know, has his own thoughts too. We've we've talked about it for a while because we knew this kind of stuff was coming. So I don't have any specific tests I was planning on running right now, just because uh, I'm not quite sure <laughs> what what to yeah. hit on it. But I mean, it is it is a thing, and if you already know that uh, that there's something that you do that can take advantage of an NPU, um, then then yeah, I mean that, that that's great. Uh, so. Those are very rare at this point, yeah. especially in the consumer space. But the fact that it's there, if you think AI is going to take off, like it seems like the industry and the hardware companies are pushing forward to, uh, you know, it might be worth investing in. Yeah. Just to know that you have it in some way, even if we can't benchmark it well now. It was like if yeah. you had bought the 20 series, you could still play DLSS. Well, and I do think a lot of the a lot of the mobile story around NPU still applies for here because, uh, you know, I mean, we've been talking about, like, you know, small little set-top box things. So if you're talking about a fi- use of efficiency where an NPU is kind of best at, you're still talking about using it efficiently like that. Uh, for other tasks, a GPU or a CPU might be uh, better for pure just grunt work. Yeah. So I was actually surprised that they included it, honestly, because I feel like for a socketed CPU, you're not really going to be from what I've seen, at least on the laptop side, a lot of the the AI type applications are for like, as you said, like optimization, efficiency. And so like, especially in like battery life and that kind of performance. And I feel like with a socketed uh, desktop CPU, like you're not really thinking about that as much. Like, I think it would be great to see these in something like a four by four inch NUC type form factor but it's not really common. Like most of those, like as far as I know, all of the the models that have come out that I've kept tabs on were like the more like laptop, laptop solder, it's a Wednesday, solder chip. Know. I'm hungry. I'm so hungry right now. It's <laughs> no, not no, even no, no, funny. No. <laughs> like when I'm not listening to the conversation, I, like my brain's just like food. You should food? go grab some food. food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm a little surprised that they included it. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see like maybe something they're aware of that we're not yet that's going to come down to the pipeline that will make use of it. But for me right now, knowing what I know as a consumer, I don't think I would be buying these chips for that personally. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's in the architecture, so I think it was just easy to, to kind of include it. I did ask AMD for an official comment on this NP on laptop versus desktop. I think I've read this before. I'll, I'll say it again. They uh, quote on laptop. I'm sorry. Let me start here. Uh, Quote, uh, efficiency. The NPU can run AI workloads faster and with less significant power. On laptop, this can translate into better battery life. On desktop, where power is less of a concern, it still allows the users to free up CPU and GPU resources when multitasking. It can also prevent a CPU-GPU from having to ramp up with the accompanying fan noise that may be associated. End quote. So, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, it's... I, it's a little less strong of a story, and obviously, it's still early days on what that means for a desktop on Intel and uh, AMD side. Because I mean, one one of the videos that we did at CES, or Mark uh, had a video about an add-in 
AI accelerator card, is that even better than what an NPU can do uh, on on the the CPU itself? Um, so yeah, still early days. I, I mean, I, th- I think there is a reason to have it. I'm I'm glad it is there. And somebody yeah. uh, pointed out in the chat. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the, it's kind of uh, oh yeah, the the NPU is there really as to to be like hey devs here it is start messing with it yeah you know this is like a gen one kind of thing so and on top of that even though a lot of people associate npus with intel uh amd had the first npu in a laptop and now it has the first npu in a desktop too so even if nothing else i would assume that's going to be a huge marketing win if ai takes off like they're hoping it would yeah uh and i don't have the chip on hand uh but the two lower end because <clears throat> there was four am5 based cpus we're talking about the 8700g and the 8600g uh but lower down the stack the 8500g and the 8300g are the first uh desktop cpus to have zen 4c cores uh wendell has a, a good video he he was able to get his hands on i think the 8500g uh amd said the 8300g is not going to be sold uh, to the DIY market, so really it's just the 8500G, but yeah, so those are the first uh, Zen 4C cores that we're seeing on the desktop, which is interesting. Um, so maybe that's something that will will be kind of implemented more in the future as well. There's, you know, plenty of rumors about whatever Ryzen 9000 is going to be uh, kind of stuff, so we'll see. Yeah. I think uh, SatNav over in YouTube chat says it best, where like uh, first gen MPU is feeling a little bit like first gen ray tracing where it's like it's good that it's in there it's good that they're pushing it but it's more like uh, laying the fa- that foundation and as we said at that time about ray tracing Brad in particular not Gordon um, which is like it's great that they're doing it but that's not what you're buying on mm-hmm. yeah um, anyway yeah Ryzen 8000 APUs are here. I, the, I guess the other thing to note, I did uh, ask for official comment, wait, why is this Ryzen 8000 and not Ryzen 7000, like the other desktop parts that have been out? Oh, crap, I need to bring up the the official wordage from... Oh, no, I think I lost it. Um, While you're doing that, I'll insert a note so you can... Uh... Please keep looking uh so uh just for anyone who's curious about these parts so my understanding is that uh, the reviews went up uh and i think the listings went up for it as well but they don't actually ship until february so like for example i'm looking at the bnh website and it's basically listed as a pre-order and says new item coming soon expect availability february 5th 2024 so uh, unlike the 4080 super that you don't have to do a mad rush to your computer if you want one of these seems well, like you'll just be able to kind of put in your order and see if uh wait for it to ship to you newegg says i can get an 8700g tomorrow oh really yeah. interesting or fastest delivery uh, interesting uh, i maybe yeah. i misspoke then um okay so I, I found the quote uh what i asked was uh why are these designated as ryzen 8000 versus 7000 does this signal a change in the desktop processor naming scheme to follow the mobile naming scheme because as we kind of know, the with the decoder wheel, <laughs> the the mobile naming yeah. scheme is different than the desktop naming scheme. So <laughs> I was asking, you know, d- does that are we going to see a change there? Uh, and the reply back from AMD is, "quote On desktop, we don't have a specific nomenclature framework like we do on mobile. We tend to stick to the same tiers of models, and we tend to introduce a new model series uh, like seven thousand, eight thousand when we think a product justifies it." End quote. So uh, I, I was going to follow. I actually didn't follow up. I was going to ask, like, okay, well, 
you know, how do you know when when something justifies it? Like, I, I don't know if an APU for me would, would cross that line. Uh, but, you know, maybe it's also, it's just the new car smell. You know, maybe it looks bad to say, oh, we got Ryzen 7000 APUs in 2024. So, eh, I just call them 8000. Uh, that new, I, uh, new car smell. I don't know if it's because I'm hungry or not, but when you said all that, my brain translated that to as uh, because we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Because Lisa was sitting down. Yep. This is not official. Lisa was sitting down in her chair and she said, no, 8,000. Make that one 8,000. They're like, what? Why? And they're like, 8,000. It's 8, a good luck number. Yeah. In, oh, is Chinese it? For Chinese. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, for Lunar New Year coming up. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, Ziv says maybe because of the presence of NPU. Yep, yep. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, okay. Anything else on APUs? Uh, no, not the APUs. But somebody uh, did ask, I think, either in Discord or in chat, if we're going to talk about the uh, no fifty seven hundred X three D. I think oh, we launched today. Yeah, the uh, uh, AMD is not providing samples, so if if I'm going to do any sort of testing, I need to to just purchase one uh i have been so bogged down by all this other stuff that yeah so Thank I you, mean, Adam. yeah maybe later i am curious as well to see uh we kind of talked about it a little bit between like oh, okay 5600 x3d was uh micro center only mm-hmm. uh, i did ask amd does this mean like hey you saw the success of the 5700g or i'm sorry the 5600g uh saw but you wanted to have something more uh, a wider release they said no, you know, it's because it's it's a core. It's you know essentially maybe other fifty eight hundred X three Ds that that weren't uh, able to hit. So it doesn't sound like the yeah. the fifty six hundred G is going to get a wide release either. Wait, wait, fifty six hundred X three D. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I know. So <laughs> it's a long day. <laughs> uh, but the fifty seven hundred X three D is not Micro Center only. That one is uh, actually going to be wide, more widely available. Yeah, actually, let, let me see. They I, said I that during your interview, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes. Oh no. Yeah, I can get it uh, tomorrow. Festus delivery on Newegg. The it's a two fifty fifty seven hundred X three D. Man, yeah, what a that's also a good price. Yeah. No, I'm 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 curious. Yeah, I'm very curious. It's it's still still cool to to be able to get in that because uh, I think the what, what was it the cheapest we ever saw fifty eight hundred X three D was three hundred. Around three, right. I think it was like two ninety. Yeah, and right now on Newegg, it's not the the cheapest, but three fifteen. So, for like, I do wonder how much performance you know you're losing. Oh wow, yeah. the actually the fifty eight hundred X three D right now on Newegg, US Newegg, uh, comes with a free B four fifty motherboard. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, okay, that that actually that's a better deal. <laughs> wow, I, uh, let me see what motherboard this is. Sorry, I'm, we're doing this live. I'm I'm just curious. Uh, no, I love this. I I am very here for real time deal finding. Watch it be a motherboard that does hasn't even had its BIOS updated to support it. Okay. Uh, it <laughs> it's a Asrock B450M slash ACR two point um, okay, I think that's one of the ones I use in my Black Friday builds. So that one's usually usually goes for about like eighty, I want to say seventy to eighty. Not ninety is what it's on right now. Yeah. So yeah, essentially you're saying, hey, uh, nine free ninety dollar motherboard. It's micro ATX, your your favorite. Um, so yeah, yeah, you can use one of the uh, the cases that I am um, obsessing over right now. That is a pretty good deal. Free ninety dollar motherboard. Uh, so yeah. Oh man. I mean, you just AM four. You wow. know, like I, I, 
you know, I, if Gordon was in the chat or if Gordon were here, I'm sure he'd be like, now, nah, why would you buy the old thing? And I'm like, because that's a pretty good deal. That's an exceptionally good deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, anyway. you could, I mean, honestly, so we were just talking about the, um, the cost of what, 8700G being 330, right? And then saying mm-hmm. that you get like a CPU and GPU for the same price that would do uh, better in games, right? But this actually kind of works out to the same because instead you're just getting the motherboard and then you'd buy the GPU separately. So this is actually <laughs> even a better deal than what was talked about <laughs> in those reviews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You have options PC for building is wild. <laughs> PC building is just so wild right now. Like, like when Ryzen launched, we could have never imagined a world like this. Right? Yeah. And I, I do think people are still waiting for like the Ryzen moment for GPUs. Right? The yeah you know, something to yeah. like completely reset and be like, hey, you know what you used to get? Yeah. Well, guess what? Throw that out the window. You're getting. We've been hoping. Yeah. Yeah. So. We've been hoping. Anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, we should move on before it gets too late to viewer Q&A. We, we got to get through this because Elena is hungry. If you got your questions uh, now at angry. PC World. <laughs> angry, yeah. You don't want to see Not Elena yet. hangry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get, get in the chat at PC World, the easiest way for me to see it. Um, and if you're watching or listening to this later, there's a link to our Discord in the description. Go over there. We have a channel specifically for questions that hopefully we will get to on the next show. Um, let's see. I'm going to pull, or you know what? Actually, I think I have some super chats that I need to get to. Uh, the first one is from, uh, Skeet Sayer, friend of the show, Skeet Sayer, gave us five Canadian dollars. Thank you so much. No question, just comment. People are not appreciating the effect that, uh, AMD's, uh, fluid motion frames will have, especially with how much the budget market is going with handhelds. Um, I haven't had a chance to, to look at the a- AFMF. Uh, Brad, have you had a chance to dig into that at all? I haven't had too much. I haven't had any chance to look into <laughs> it yet, but uh, I've had a crazy month, y'all. Uh, but uh, I'm really curious to see how it goes. One of the benefits of DLSS 3 is they can mandate that uh, reflex goes with it. Fluid motion frames is basically FSR 3 everywhere, which in and of itself is exciting. You have to remember they insert those AI frames. So that increases latency. 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 I know this now. Latency. <laughs> yeah, some, somebody earlier was like, what, what did you just say? Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, and games don't have to have something like Radeon anti-lag in them to work with this. And AMD itself has said, ideally you want games to be running 60 plus frames per second to minimize that increased latency feel. <laughs> so... I really do want to play around with it a bit. I think it's not as cut and dry awesome as you think it might be. I think it's going to depend game to game. Yeah. Very much so and genre to genre. But I think it's dope as hell that you can get something like that at the driver level now. And I'm all for being able to flip it on and potentially deal with some jank or slightly lower reflexes in a couple of games. If it means in other games, I get twice as much performance. But this, as opposed to DLSS, needed some hands-on time to really quantify it. This really needs hands-on time to try to quantify it. Yeah, uh, real quick, uh, friend of the show, Ziv, says uh, that's proof that Brad is AI. He pronounced it Latin, see? <laughs> Somebody needs to update his, uh, his model. Uh, actually, some of the best testing, uh, I listened to the um, the Digital Foundry podcast. Uh, what is it called? The I, I can't remember what they, they call it, but um, oh, DF Direct, that's what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, they have done some testing with the AFMF. 
and yeah, it's the same kind of thing that applies with the upscaling that, you know, you, you need a certain amount of frames already there. It's not like you can take something that was running at 20 frames per second and be like, oh, sweet, now I get an awesome 60. You still want, you know, uh, a good a good base <laughs> of frames to there so it can do it on top of it. But yeah, this is at the driver level. Uh, also, AMD, I forgot to say this in the, the APU spot, but this is a good space to say it too, that a AFMF is updating on the driver for the new APUs. So you'll be able to get that there because it's, it's just a driver level thing. Imagine frame generation, but at the driver level, um, which kind of like, oh, what's the, what's the driver? Uh, the, Cause there's, it's not FSR, it's RSR. That's the yes. driver level scaling, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. at the driver level. So it's not game dependent, which means, yes, there are quirks. It's happening. It's not reading, you know, all the, the actual output of the game itself. Cause it's not built into that pipeline. It is kind of taking what's being presented on the screen and trying to add to it. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious. I haven't messed with it. Uh, I've seen it pop up in, in one of the handhelds that I updated recently. Maybe the Kuhn. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah. I tell you what, it's something I would like to play around with more before I talk definitively about it. But if you were buying an as cheap as possible PC just to play some PC games on, et cetera, et cetera, you don't mind low graphics? Like, can you imagine, like, getting to roughly 40, 60 frames per second with the 8700G? Flipping on Radeon Super Resolution, which will definitely reduce image quality, but if you're just looking for playable experiences, who cares? And then flipping on fluid motion frames on top of that, it might be able to fly even on those little APUs, actually. Yeah. Those are pretty impressive grouping of driver-level things there. I'm curious, yep. So uh, that's that. Uh, and we got a $499 super chat from Clay underscore. Uh, what what would make you switch to Battle Mage? If those raster requirements are met, would you guarantee to bypass NVIDIA's next release? Um, I guess we'll start off by saying we don't know anything about Battle Mage. <laughs> Tom, when we did the interview at CES, he, he was excited, but he's like, you know what? We're not going to talk about it yet. I didn't, you know, we, we do know something. That, yeah. He also said that most of their hardware engineers are done with Battle Mage and moving on to Celestial so far. Yep, uh, yeah. they have the they have the first uh, units in, and you know the software people are are tinkering with it. So w- we don't know, right? I mean, there's obviously plenty of rumors going around of what it's going to be, what the performance is going to be like. You know, is it laptop only? Is it discrete? So we don't know. But the question is, what what would make you switch to Battle Mage? Like what, what? What do you think is the the like? Oh wow, Battle Mage came out of this. Then cool. Okay, I'll I'll switch to it and bypass Nvidia's next release, whatever. You know, assuming it's the f- f- fifty series. I tend to hang out on the high end, uh, and I doubt that Intel will compete up there. But let's say that I was buying something, you know, three hundred bucks and under, five hundred bucks and under, something like that. What I would need from Intel in order to bypass NVIDIA and AMD is some mixture of competitive, if not better performance, competitive, if not outright beating pricing. And I would like them to maintain, they, they started with a real strong foot forward in ray tracing, and I would like them to keep that going. Because if they can say, hey, we're just as fast as the AMD and NVIDIA GPUs, we're $50 cheaper than the Radeon equivalent, and we have better ray tracing. Sure, XESS is just getting off the ground. 
AMD has all these driver level things, but we're, the core of what you're doing, we're giving it to you. It's competitive and it's cheaper. I think that's what it would take to convince people to switch to a new third entrant. Uh, Liquid R says, and it comes with a kitten. There we go. <laughs> I switched. <laughs> <Nyla. Done. Yeah. laughs> well, that's all it takes. Uh, it it's comes with a free kitten. Uh, Animal, buy them all. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you think back to the Arc launch, right, uh, the hardware, I mean, those cards are still nice cards. It was the software, right? And I feel like they have definitely done their due diligence. They're continuing to work on that software. Whatever, whatever you feel like is happening on the, you know, discrete side, uh, you know, and, and, and how the hardware is panning out, they are working on the software. I mean, like we, we keep, keep getting, you know, emails from Intel PR being like, oh, hey, by the way, we updated X, you know, to X driver and look at these games we saw in these games. I mean, they're, they're doing their work on the driver level. So however, however the GPUs come in and wherever they fall performance or cost wise, uh, that's one thing, but the driver thing is, you know, seems to, seems to be, they, they're doing a lot of work on it. Uh, but not, not just for, for laptop. I mean, we're, we're also talking about the integrated, uh, GPU performance on, uh, Meteor Lake. I haven't had a chance to mess around with Meteor Lake. I I do have a couple Meteor Lake devices that, that I can, one of these days, I'll, I'll get around to, to messing around with that because I am curious. And the, obviously, the uh, upcoming MSI Claw is the first handheld with uh, with Meteor Lake in it, so I'm very excited to, to try that. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember what I was. I was just kind of ranting there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So assuming the software is there, which I feel like once again they're they're doing a lot of work and they've they've showed that they have. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is the same thing with AMD versus NVIDIA, right? Like, there there are plenty of ways you can look at the AMD card price for price, and you're like, wow, this this thing is way way better at, at raster than than NVIDIA, but people continue to still buy NVIDIA. So if AMD is having a hard time getting over that hump, like, really, you're not talking about Intel getting over the NVIDIA hump. You're talking about Intel getting over the AMD hump. I feel like that's kind of where the fight is. Uh so yeah, I mm-hmm. I don't I mean honestly I don't know like I, yeah unless it's it's something crazy like a free kitten <laughs> then yeah I, I I don't know what it would take because even if oh, man even if it was like add ah, double the performance for the same price or double the raster performance or something I I don't know like is that even enough like would people then just all of a sudden stop buying Nvidia cards and stop buying AMD cards like I, I didn't I, you know I don't know. No, but if they managed to pull off something like that, it would make waves and spur adoption. It would. It would. It would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. For me, it's, it was interesting hearing this question. And again, I don't know if my low blood sugar is just making it impossible <laughs> to understand things properly. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like it has to be anything flashy. Like I, as I think it's just as Brad said, it's like it has to just be competitive. Right, so like the performance has to be competitive. Something you you want to see that they're within um, within you know the similar margin uh, as the other cards. But also to your point, Adam, you, you want to see that stability that wasn't there for the first generation, um, because while the enthusiasts I think are willing to put up with the growing pains of the the new architecture that's not something that could be as easily recommended to somebody who's maybe newer to pc building or just wants a a kind of hassle-free plug-and-play type experience 
Um, and then of course, price has to be reasonable again, competitive. So I honestly, to me, the, my, my answer, my first thought as an answer was just, well, it just has to be like the others in the sense of like, doesn't necessarily stand out in a bad way, right? Like that it meets kind of minimum expectations. I think the additional add-on to that is that they really need for it to be rock solid when they launch that that's going to be really terrible for them if they don't follow up that the growing pains of the first generation with saying like, okay, we've worked the bugs out. Like here's gen two, you know, or here's our second take at it. And now you can trust that you're going to get a similar experience as when you buy a Radeon card as when you buy an NVIDIA card, at least for the basics, maybe like not all the, the fancier software tricks are going to be up to par yet. Like I don't, personally, I don't expect that from them. I just think that they've got to just nail the fundamentals uh, to at least establish themselves as a reliable third player in the field. And that's honestly all, all that I'm looking for out of it. You know what I would like? They wouldn't do it right now, but I know AMD sells direct. Uh, I was kind of hoping for this to come around this generation. Didn't see it too much. But you remember how they put out that big, the blog post made big deals about how you need this level of card with an i5. Like we compared the CPU versus GPU bottlenecks. And for these cards, you need an i5. You need this with an i7. Uh, they were in position. They could do some really sweet bundle deals for just their CPU mm-hmm. and limited edition GPU. And if they did something like that, they could make it real enticing if they nail those basics. Yeah, I, I still feel like the, and I've heard this before from um, people who don't follow the space that well. Um, yeah, a couple of people at least being like, oh, hey, when I'm building, I, I want to pair an Intel CPU with an Intel GPU, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not always, it just doesn't necessarily work like that, you know, uh, but if it could, if you do see some actual benefit from it, whether it's a cost bundle thing, whether it's a feature set, I, I you know, I mean, AMD has done some of that um, mostly on the the mobile side with that, uh, what is that power? Yeah, the power management thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that power management thing. <clears throat> um, but yeah, yeah. Like anything to be like, oh, hey, you know, Intel plus Intel gets you this. This is this is mm-hmm. why maybe you know you would be like, oh, well, technically, usually maybe I go Nvidia, but wow, okay, the benefit you're getting from Intel plus Intel is like really apparent. Uh, would be nice, yeah. Whether it's a pricing or a bundle deal or something like that. I mean, Throw another quick sync block in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just, we just saw the uh, we just saw the uh, freak out over that that fifty eight hundred X three D with a free motherboard. Uh, I do feel like AMD <laughs> has gotten really good bundle deals like that, where it's just like I mean, some most of them are Micro Center too, where it's just like, oh my god, you're given like free RAM and free motherboard. Uh, okay, this one's that's not right. Yeah, this, this one's, one's not not Micro yeah. Center. That's what's so shocking about it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. I also think the other space is. Man, really hit at that low end because that—that's the spot where I feel like Nvidia is the weakest. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, do they need like a Halo product to to compete with the 4090?" I mean, that's you know, whatever. Not even low end. Yeah, Just like sub three three hundred and below at this point. People right? are right? crying yeah. out for a good for good options that are contemporary. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like that's and below. I feel like that's that's Nvidia's weakest area you know if you're looking for the weak spots that's that's the one to really hammer home so i I, 
quote unquote weak because they're ignoring it for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, and I, I don't mean weak that the cards are bad. I just mean like, hey, a lot of people in that kind of price range are way more willing to look at other options. And there yeah, are, you know, sure. the, the comparable uh, options from AMD and, and what's out for ARC right now are it's still pretty pretty awesome. Um, so anyway, uh, a couple more questions. We got, man, we got some really good ones here. Uh, j- just a funny one. Starscream is a friend of the show. Starscream is asked, uh, 8700G live stream build when? Uh, actually, I think that would be kind of funny if we did a, a dual build <laughs> where we did 8700G on one end and then the other end is the whatever that... that 12400F and I don't remember the GP yeah. is the equivalent price. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> and then do a face-off after. Yeah, right. Uh, We're in crisis right after we finish building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Liquid RS uh, actually, you know what, I'll save, the, I'll save that. Oh, we answered this one. Um, There's some fun ones in there. Yeah, uh, Cause MC, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but looking at the hub testing for the 8700G, do you consider this a throwaway APU only CPU. Uh, if if slot this with a 7800X T for 1440p at the end of the year, am I going to be disappointed? Uh, I we talked about this a little bit. I I feel like you'd be less disappointed with that versus a 12400F with a 7800X T. Personally, yeah, yeah. But that's also ignoring cost, right? Because our our conversation today is specific to launch prices and what you get it for now like the conversation we'll have i think what cause said like it's like for the future like black friday ish kind of stuff like that's that's going to be different then because mm. the the price the prices will probably be different our perceived value of them are going to be different you know there could be some hardware launches i don't know anything but there could be some hard hardware launches between now and then i think something like this 7700 XT will probably be faster, like in pure games would be my guess. But that being said, I think the question to ask yourself if you're talking about pairing it with a GPU later in the year is would you rather take a 5 or 10% shave off the top of that high-end 1440p build in November that you're building and be able to play games for the next 10 months on your integrated graphics right now? And if you'd rather just start playing games now off that APU, that's 100% where I would lean. Yeah, and I just looked at that 12400F is just just six uh, P cores, no efficiency cores, so six core, 12 thread, max turbo frequency of 4.4. It's 65 watt part, but can boost up higher. Supports DDR5 as well. Depends on the motherboard, obviously. I think the G cards also boost, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. I have the numbers in my chart. Uh, boosts up to 5.1. Um, and I think it's worth, you use the word CosMC uh, disappointed. I don't think you'll be disappointed if you take a 7700 XT and slap it in after you've been playing either no games or integrated graphics games. Like, no matter where you're coming from, even if it is theoretically being bottlenecked by some minuscule percentage by the CPU, it's going to be such an improvement over what you had before. You're not going to feel it. So I don't think you would be disappointed if you did that. Yeah, I mean the, the 7800 XT, at least in the the test rig I had, which is obviously uh, real high end. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, it's punching punching way above its its weight class. I mean, it, it's it's a pro in a, in some of these games, man. It approaches a 4070 Ti non super, and it's just like wow. Okay, that's a, the damn mm-hmm. card. 
Uh, all right. Uh, here, another question from friend of the show, VC Jester. Should we start? Should we just start naming GPUs by their internal resolution instead of calling them the usual mid-tier and low-end? NVIDIA engineered the latest cards to fall on their face if you try to run a little high resolution to force an upgrade. Uh, so you call a 4070, 40, 1440p basic, 4070 Ti, 1440p mid-range, and a 4070 Super, 1440p high-end. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious I mean, so you look on the box and it just says I, 1440p low end <laughs> you know what, honestly though i i think that would be wonderful for a consumer perspective but no marketing department no. is ever going to approve that however that is a good idea for uh tech journalists to consider yeah. if they're trying to make things more friendly for uh consumers which i think when we do write them up we do that I, uh, but, that's still but i mean that uh, that's almost too much of a generalization though because you know like to to say oh the, this card specifically is is 1440p medium okay what games what kind of settings like there's no one oh, you can still do all. broad strokes you could say hey i'm looking for a standard not super high-end 1440p card and you'd say go get a forty seventy super or yeah. go get a seventy eight hundred pixel. Well, but a lot of times, but it could also be high refresh rate ten eighty p. Exactly, that's so. what I was going to say. Like, so really, you would would say ten eighty p one hundred sixty five hertz <laughs> or fourteen forty p sixty hertz. Uh. So you just need a chart, right? Where it's like you just have a chart of like all the parameters, and you just have the names of the cards listed. God, imagine if oh, like a box. size chart. <laughs> I, just, I just had this idea. You're talking about charts. Chart. Imagine you go into Micro Center and just plastered by each of the products, they have like uh, uh, like benchmark charts, like printed off benchmark charts from like Gamers Nexus or something. You're just like sitting there, like reading the charts. Or PC I World. Mean, yeah. I mean, I know I know most of the people listening are not going to be familiar with this, but there are like size charts for like women's like clothes, where like you're just like if you're this size, you want this, and it's like color with like color shape. <laughs> you know, so you're like, oh, well, my friend is a completely different shape of body than I am, but we happen to be in the same size category, right? <laughs> so it's like your friend who's doing 1080p, you know, 300, like 360 hertz, is in the same category as me who's doing like 4K. You know? <laughs> or at Micro Center, it should be one of those uh, flowcharts where it's like, okay, uh, you know, what are you looking for? Is this when your budget? No, then go to this oh, next yeah, one yeah, and yeah, yeah. so forth. Oh, a flowchart. Yeah. That, would, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. Before we move on. On, I just want to point out that Jester, you brought up the point that NVIDIA tuned its cards to perfectly hit the resolutions they're targeting. And I totally agree with that. But I also think it's worth pointing out that AMD actually started that last generation with the uh, Radeon 3000 series when it, in, when it introduced Infinity Cache. It debuted, you know, the pairing of on-die cache with smaller memory buses as a cost savings measure with no real loss to performance unless you step up in resolution with that. And it clearly does cost savings and works well. And now NVIDIA has adopted the same. So people are catching on to it being NVIDIA this generation because NVIDIA sells so much, but AMD actually pioneered that front. Uh, congratulations, AMD. <laughs> <laughs> A pioneer, another pioneer. It's good, it's, no, it's no. good and bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, because we, we also talk about like, I mean, it is nice to know it can perform, you know, uh, depending on the resolution. But we also talk about how when you buy a monitor, a lot of people stick with a monitor a long time. So mm. the, chances, yeah, the, the chances of you upgrading a monitor before you upgrade a GPU 
you know, is also different. A lot of people are like, hey, no, this is a monitor I have, and I'm going to have it for a long time. So, sure, maybe it can do better at 4K, but I'm not going to get a 4K monitor anytime soon. So, yeah. Mm. I don't know. It, but also, it's a psychological thing, right? Oh, I, I, I might not ever overclock my CPU, but I'm glad I got the K part or, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, all right. A couple more fun ones. And then we'll get out of here. The uh, front of the show, Liquid RS. Is there any PC game that you no longer own or have never owned that you lament not being able to buy anymore? Examples would be Black and White, The Movies, Driver San Francisco. Man, I totally forgot about The Movies uh, <laughs> before this comment. That was that was pretty fun. The Movies. Um, yeah, is there an old PC game that you wish you could get your hands on? Uh, I don't have an answer to that immediately off the top of my head. No One Lives Forever is a hard one to get. It mm-hmm. might be on God now, but it hasn't been forever. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, I just went down to visit uh, my father's house this Christmas, and I found my old box copies of a bunch of my old games, including oh. No One Lives Forever. Oh, hey. So I'm super jazzed about that. Yeah, put in your but, your CD drive and uh, read it. You're yeah, yeah, I got to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for me, the answer as of today, is Spec Ops The Line. It's not super old right now, but just oh, yesterday yeah. it was pulled off of Steam and all other digital storefronts. Really? Because oh. it lost some sort of rights issues. Like it had oh. Jimmy Hendrickson's oh. Star Spangled Banner playing at points. It had yeah. other things. And that really stinks because it's not the best first person, uh, best third-person shooter, but that's one of those rare games that actually made you stop and think and go, huh, and look at stuff from a different perspective. And I think it's a major bummer that... Yeah. That's now lost to the world, and that happened in the past twenty four hours. Yeah, I, I really I need to get that, that game. Yeah, I really need to get my buddy uh, who's over at the digital, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, Video Game History Foundation to to come on the show. I've been meaning to have him on the show to talk that'd about great. rights management, yeah, that'd and, be super rad. You know, all that kind of stuff. Because uh, yeah, that it definitely is a a problem. I feel like it's different on the PC because yeah, there are so many different avenues. Where on the console. You know, it's kind of a whole different thing because it's a closed ecosystem. But yeah, I think Lewis Law in chat, YouTube chat, is pointing out a really good, you know, point here, which is that some this is why hard copies still matter because that's how you can preserve the history. Because like, if if it gets delisted and everyone only has a digital license of it, you know, it, it makes it a lot harder to preserve preserve that for you know future generations to know about yeah and interact with it except except for online right because the the one i just thought of in my head was man i missed out on the matrix online and i really <laughs> yeah. wanted to be on the matrix online but even if you have a hard copy you can't get on the matrix online you know uh, server-based games yeah yeah, yeah. so uh yeah, yeah I, I guess that's my answer like there's no way i have heard of like you know, people trying to spin up their own servers of it, but you know, it's yeah. not the same. That, that's probably yeah, the one I'm like, man. I mean, I don't think it was like that great of a game, but it was official canon, and it would have been cool to like take part of it. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're interested in that kind of stuff, like servers and video game preservation and stuff like that, uh, go check out his name's on YouTube, Accursed Farms. He, some of y'all probably know about him. He does Ross's Games Dungeon is his big thing. He looks at classic games. He goes through them. He's funny and clever. It's a great great site. But he specifically does an ongoing bit because he hates always online games. And he does an, a bit every you know couple of months called Dead Game News about all the games that <laughs> their servers have shut down and stuff like that. So we're oh, checking out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he just did a special for the crew because the crew just shut oh. down. So. 
Uh, all right, last question. We got to get uh, Lena some food. Uh, in front of the show, VC Jester asks, when Optimus Prime gets hurt, does he use auto or health insurance? <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Both. Uh, I mean, does he live in the United States? Does he live in the United States? Because it's going to be really important to know which one's the primary insurance and which one's the secondary. Can I do an estimate? I think it would depend on which form he was in, right? Because if he's humanoid, you would think maybe go get the health insurance. Uh, If you're in the auto style, maybe go roll into a mechanic. But isn't he still mechanical, regardless? (laughs) True. Yeah, he's only in humanoid form. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say auto insurance. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, there's a lot of Transformers lore out there. I bet this has been talked about. <laughs> there's uh, there's there's comics. There's so many different versions of the cartoon. You know, like I video games. There's got to be somewhere in the lore where this has been talked about. Where you know he's like, oh man, I've got a I've got a fever. Oh crap! Do I go? Do I go to the mechanic or do I go to the doctor? Wait, uh, uh, Keith was—we were talking at uh, CES. He he watched recently uh, the the new one, the Beast. Uh, tra- oh Transformer yeah, yeah, yeah. One. I was the, like, the Bumblebee so, yeah, yeah. Um, sequel or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but um, I was like, okay, so if they're in Beast form, that they're, they're not cars. So is that? No, in Beast form, they're also not human. They're not. So, <laughs> so is you it, go to the is vet. vet? Yeah. <laughs> so did they go to the vets then? Yeah, no, you just take them behind the barn. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, Bumblebee. <laughs> oh, no. Gotta save the bees. Oh, save the bees. Man. Man. Dang, Brad. Brad is just, he's brutal. Okay. <laughs> Don't bring my kitties around Brad. Oh, no. Can we, oh, oh, God. Can we not end on I, that note? Yeah. For uh, what it's worth, I don't have a barn. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's not end on that note. Uh, $5 Canadian super chat from Friend of the Show Coffee. Thank you so much. Have you read the novel The Three Body Problem? If not, what is your favorite novel? What the hell is oh, the three-body I... problem? That oh, sounds... no. Do I want to... Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> is this something we should Google? The three-body... Want... I'm going to let you do it. Yeah. I'm, yeah, the three-body problem. The series portrays a fictional past, present, and future where Earth encounters an alien civilization from a nearby system of three sunlight. Okay, so it doesn't sound like Okay, so we're not time. talking like human centipede. No, no, it sounds like it's a, uh, a a time thing. Like it happens in three points in time. Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I what? I've never heard of this. So I think it's a, it's a show I... coming on Netflix as well. I did oh really? Hear that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a novel turn uh, adapted to series. Maybe I don't know oh, if that's okay. the same one you're referring to, Coffee. Hmm. Here, that's oh, a buzz right now. <laughs> okay, uh, I have not. Uh, so I didn't sound like any of us have. Uh, so, second question: If not, what is your favorite novel? Real quick, I'm sorry, I'm not a you know a, a English major. I don't know how to say this. What constitutes a novel? Is that a novel is specifically a book? There's a certain length of it. Most most books you're going to read, they're novels. Like it's, if, you know, and novels are usually a reference fiction. to fiction. Fiction, okay, yeah. yeah, that was my other question. So yeah. it's fiction, and it's a book of a certain length. That's what determines it, a novel. Well, because you can have what are called novellas. So they're like they're books, but they're kind of they're shorter. Like I think they're like what fifty to sixty thousand words. Don't quote me on that. And then we're, now we're talking we're getting into the weeds, like kind of like uh, publishing jargon. So and most Just, people besides I me mean, and Brad aren't going to really know <laughs> things by word count. You are wearing an Oxford comma shirt, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, if there's, if there's saying, anyone like, I'm going to ask on staff about what is a novel, what is the, the literal definition of a novel, I would turn to you, Elena. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, most most books on the market, like, if you're you know reading Tom Clancy, whatever, like, that's considered novel length. So, you know, if the book's about that thick, you know, long, then that's... Uh, Okay, because yeah, no, I, 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 the first, my first thought was, have I ever read a novel? What constitutes a novel? I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, you, you surely I've read have books. during your high school years at least right uh, well, so. that's assuming i did the homework uh, <laughs> okay did you do the homework? Sorry, yeah, I, yeah. I was very into the i was very into my english classes if you it sounds like tell. a lot of reading to me and i you know, <laughs> senior report card Adam. i was like i got some metal gear solid to play i mean you could also count if you listen to audiobooks that 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 also is valid i listen to a lot of podcasts <laughs> you have to have one it's fine i've read liam i have read a book yes i've read a book i've read plenty of books i currently read books i just don't know what constitutes a novel savage. Yeah. So we're all finding out why adam's on the video team now <laughs> yes i am not on the written team for a reason so i'm like wow this review is novel length i wouldn't want to read this <laughs> Uh, Zeus says we're sending Adam back to, to high school 21 Trump, Jump Street style oh man can you imagine me going back to high school and be like what up kids how you, how you doing are you supposed uh, how, to be hey, the teacher yeah, what's, what's the coolest novel you kids read lately they're like okay you yeah. boomer yeah. you're like no, you would say that, and you're like, you have to tell us if you're a cop, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like the the Steve Buscemi, you know, the the what are kids? Yeah. Uh, How do you do, uh, kids? I, I have I have actual answers. Oh, please, uh, please take this away from me. <laughs> yeah. So I have several answers actually. My favorite graphic novel by far is The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. I have tattoo mm. on my wrist from part of that. Oh wait, so there, real wrist. quick, there's a difference between. A graphic novel and a a comic book. A graphic novel is yeah. a one long story comic book like collection mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So, uh, so mangas. Act- so so novels can be graphic novels. Or, I'm sorry. Sure, yeah. no, I'm sorry. Uh, the yeah. graphic novels can be comic books, but comic books can't be. No. Think of them as like the difference between TV shows and movies. So a graphic yeah. novel is more like a movie. You're getting like one story oh. in like a in like a much more constant or like a elongated, concentrated form. Whereas comic books are much more like installation, yeah. installment okay. type uh, approach. Okay, yeah, interesting. My favorite actual novel is also by Neil Gaiman. I'm a Neil Gaiman fan. I have another tattoo of quote from his <laughs> uh, American Gods. Uh, the TV um, show on Amazon wasn't great, but I love that book. I've read it a dozen times. And you didn't ask about nonfiction, but I recently read a book called Raw Dog, The Naked Truth About Hot Dogs by Jamie Loftus. And it's outstanding and funny. You should read it. And informative. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Elena, favorite novels? Dude, I, I, I'm going to give the Weasley answer, which is like, this is, this is, I don't know, I like that movie, even though that movie's old. This is an impossible choice. I, I don't think I could pick just even, Lord of the Rings. Favorites. Lord of the Rings is that a novel, even though it's three parts? Uh, no, no. Like on, I tried. So like when those movies were out, and everyone was like, "This is amazing," I'm like, "Okay, like I'm a book snob. I'm gonna go read the books because obviously those are gonna be better than the movies." I was like, "No, no." Peter Jackson did us all a favor. Yeah, <laughs> he cut it to, to the. Wait, he cut it to but the. But that's most... not a novel because those are long books. 
Well, those are novels. Oh, those are novels. Oh, okay. Well, then I've, I've Although read, I would yeah. say I would say novels usually have kind of like the word novel kind of has like this connotation to it though that it's like fiction, like weight more like a little bit more weighty, like not just like a fiction book. Not just yeah. It, it doesn't always necessarily refer to like anyway, that's I need to yeah, I need my, to go back to yeah, sorry. Anyway. Your favorite. Uh but uh <laughs> I don't want to name mine either. The ones that come to mind because they're all like snooty English major ones. <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> now I want to know. You can't just say that. <laughs> you think you're going to be judged? You're not going to be judged finger. here. I'm the one being judged here. People don't think I read books. Oh, no. So. <laughs> no, people are going to identify you with you because most people I talk to, they're like, I don't read. And I'm like, that's fine. I do. My job is secure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <There> uh, <laughs> um, so I would say like one really stereotypical quote unquote answer especially because people are going to look at me and they're like, oh, that seems typical for your gender, is that I really do love Jane Austen novels. Ugh, not necessarily so just, pride and pre- not just Pride and Prejudice, though, but I really liked um, Persuasion and Mansfield Park, which don't get talked about as much mm. because um, I like good writing. So like I, I like books where I can, I don't care if they're like young adult novels or, you know, uh, entertainment kind of genres. Uh, I just really love people who can wield the written word just in such a amazingly graceful and often really creative ways. So like when I, I, I didn't read Harry Potter books for forever because I have this, I have this thing where I'm not even counterculture, but I'm like, everyone, it's so popular. Everyone likes it. I want to read it because everyone's <laughs> reading it. And I finally picked it up and I was like, oh no, this, this writer actually really understands how to use words. Like this is really good. Uh, and I got over myself. And so for me, Jane Austen is really a treat because she is so sly. She is so whip smart and sharp about how she can just portray a character and then skewer them with him at the same time. And I, I think it's just, it's so clever and I love that. Um, and so for me, that's what I really enjoy about books. Like uh, a lot of my, a lot of my, in high school, a lot of people we read like Grapes of Wrath and most of it was like, this is the most depressing story ever, which it is. Mm-hmm. It is really depressing. Like Dust Bowl America, not a fun period to ever go back and see Pass. detailed like that. Um, but it's just so good because of like how well it's documented, you know? Um, to me, that's, and to me, it's like kind of probably the same for like you and movies, right? Or just like a visual media. It's like, how well do they tell the story? Mm. How, how good are they at the craft? And so for me, that's what I enjoy most. And so some of my choices are kind of like stereotypical, like old school, can, old school canon, which is thankfully getting blown up and being made more diverse. But mm. yeah, so sometimes I'm a little embarrassed about that because I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm the equivalent of the person who gets pumpkin spice lattes every October. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I don't know if it's a novel, but one book I am trying to to go back and read that's I've always wanted to is Neuromancer. Uh, so I don't know if that's a novel, but I am reading. Okay, it's not just picture books. Willis, <laughs> any novels? Uh, so we're again on the line. Manga, graphic novel, comic books. Yeah, which one? Which, so which was it? Is it is, is manga graphic novel or sure. comic? Graphic sure. novels. Graphic that, novels. That would be the closest how you would describe them in English. Okay. Yeah. 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 So growing up. Just so a, good, a lot so of mangas <laughs> going up, but uh, so many good series. Yeah, uh, one that really stood out is, uh, and I had to look this earlier. Um, uh, what a wonderful world by Inio uh, uh, Asano. It, it's a um, 
a series of short stories. Um, it has two volumes. Uh, I, th- I think it has, it has ended already, but great uh, short stories. You know, I, I love like it's it's a um, young adult slice of life kind of like you know like making life decisions sort of at the time when you're you know young, dumb and broke. You know, so I, <laughs> I love those kind of settings. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, nice. All right, all right. We're gonna get out. now. I'm old, dumb, and broke. <laughs> yeah. uh, somebody said earlier. Oh, Bori is your friend of the show. Bori Zero said, uh, "Final proof that you can feed Elena some literature to temporarily calm her hunger." Uh, there, there you go. <laughs> Boom. Uh, My stomach still hurts. Yeah, but I am happier. Yeah. Well, we need to get out of here so she can actually feed her mouth with something other than a novel. Don't put a book in your mouth. Well, I mean, I guess you could. Whatever. Do what I do, tried do it during the predictions episode. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Say Fred yeah. is yeah. choosing the paper is yeah. not yeah. not nourishing or <laughs> enjoyable to consume. Um, well, what is enjoyable to consume is the full nerd. Uh, check back next week for uh, your fix of PC talk on the full nerd. Next week we have uh, a nice nice little announcement. Uh, definitely tune into that one. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, to listen to us on the go, subscribe to us uh, over on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube Music, uh, Pocket Cast, wherever you can point your RSS feed to. Hopefully we are on that service. If we're not, let me know because uh, we need to figure out. Also, I've realized you can submit video versions of podcasts to Spotify recently uh i need to find our spotify login so we uh, maybe i'll start uploading the video over there is anyone interested in watching the video version on spotify i don't know let me, let me know uh, let us know but yeah. honestly when they release their podcast like their interface isn't super great yeah yeah that's why i was like i mean no i had nobody's been asking me for it but then i saw like because i i newsletters uh, anyway uh every time could <laughs> go any of those services you're on please leave us a review every time you do i get to read a new novel uh and not just a picture book so please make me a smarter person by reading a novel and leaving a review uh nobody's done it in a while so i haven't read a novel in a while so uh i, w- I, w- I want to thank uh i want to thank uh my co-host uh, brad charkis for uh for joining thanks brad adios y'all no problem yeah uh also want to thank uh, elena e uh and her oxford comma Oxford Commerce, great, everybody. Yeah, it's the way Word. to do it, I guess. Uh, I want to thank you, but I also want to thank you, Willis uh, Lai, the f- controller of the verticals and horizontals. Take us out of here. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Just a quick reminder, it is uh, everyone on the chat was saying, uh, you know, uh, Happy New Year. It's not Lunar New Year yet. It is on February 10th on a Saturday. So maybe in the next uh, two weeks, you know, I'm going to have to ask Adam to... Uh, you know, spruce up his uh, Mandarin and give us a, a lesson on what he's learned so far. <laughs> right, Adam? Washer Adam. There you go. That, that, that's just a little preview, There we go. Right? Just, a little, just preview. a little preview. But, Watch uh, out. Yeah. Watch out. I'm coming we're, for we're, you. We're going we're gonna to quiz him <laughs> on prepping that. for CompuTech. Yeah, I'm prepping for CompuTech. I'll just, I'll just go around and tell everyone, hi, my name's Adam. <laughs> Ni hao. Washer Adam. <laughs> They're like, no more okay. Mandarin than me. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, again for tuning in. We will see you next time. Bye.